Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Here in the show today, we have the uh, experimental rock outfit, Tacoma Washington Weekday Club. Um, their new album that just came out a couple days ago is called This Is How It Feels to Almost Die, all one word. Uh, you can catch them at Bremen on July 4th or at Cactus Club on July 11th. Thanks for being here, Logan and Noah. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Heather. Of course, uh, Noah, love your shirt. Thank you. <laughs> so where'd you. Where'd you get that one? Uh, I think I got it at PacSun. Mm. Yeah, there was a deal going. Mm. Yeah, S buy this one, get a second one free or something, or half off. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, two, no, buy two, get the third one free. That's what it was. Oh. Yeah, it was a crazy <laughs> deal at PacSun. <laughs> Don't think I've ever shopped at PacSun, that should change. Um, yeah, shit, uh, well, uh, thanks for the Red Bull as well. Absolutely. Could really use right now, I yeah, need that pick-me-up. I feel that. Um, yeah, so I uh, just listened to your guys' album today. Um, hour and seven minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was, I was sitting uh, in my chair for a little while and had to pause a couple times to go uh, refill my coffee. <laughs> I get that, man. Yeah, but I mean, it was a phenomenally constructed record, and Thank I want to talk all about it. I want to talk about just how you guys um, um, piece together the instrumentation and how you guys write together and all of that, um, just all of that, uh, like the, 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 the nitty gritty behind uh, this piece of art. So, yeah. uh, so we talk on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk all about love and fear and doing so we have to kind of go back uh, to the beginning. And we got to start about talking about how Tacoma became a band. Why you guys a band? Tell me. Yeah, Pretty cool. It's a. Uh, it's kind of. I mean, so I was in a. I, when I was like fifteen or sixteen, I started a band with a couple of local friends of mine that don't live around here anymore. Uh, and it was like a metal project, and we were called The Price of Sanity, and we did a bunch of shows everywhere. Um, but like metal wasn't. It wasn't like fulfilling, you know, as a genre for me. And, and we played as much as we could, and I enjoyed the time we spent together, but then, you know, the band eventually broke up, like all high school bands do, and everybody's first band does. Right. Um, but uh, Noah had just joined nearing the end of the band for the, probably the last like six I months. I played keyboards. Yeah, it was keys. Keyboards. Keys in a metal <laughs> nice. band, that's the kind of scene we were going for. And uh, You were the guy that went like this. Yes. Boom! And it was a lot of fun. We did uh, a bunch of Miramar shows, and just some, some cool local stuff, right. but at the end of the, the band's run, I was kind of like already done with it because it was just, there was a lot of like inviting or whatever. So uh, Noah and I actually decided um, that we were going to like branch off and do our own thing after the band broke up. And then it like broke up really soon after we made that decision. And then we started writing right after that. And uh, and that would be, that's pretty much the, the main beef of the story. Awesome. You know? Yeah, I kind of wanted to, always wanted to play in a band, but I never took the time to learn an instrument. So we started doing like acoustic covers together at first, and at first we were called actually uh, Oculoturum. Yeah. Just some oh. stupid word yeah. that we made up. <laughs> sure. It was yeah. really bad. It was we covered, uh, The covers were bad. Uh, she. Weezer. Weezer. Yeah, She uh, by Green Day. Weezer's, uh, was it Say It Ain't So? Holiday. Probably say it. Holiday. 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 We did Holiday. And uh, um, yeah. Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town by Pearl yeah. Jam. Uh, uh, yellow Ledbetter. We did we wrote so a much couple songs too. We wrote a couple weeks. So you guys, <laughs> so bad. You guys were, you guys were um, covering a bunch of 
Hallmark teenage songs. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much much I listen to all like stage. all that shit brings back to like sophomore year of high school. Yeah, yeah. it was it was a wild Precisely. time. Precisely, that's that's about our age. That was probably what we were too. Yeah, when we when we were doing that, and then yeah, we kind of like branched off, and that was during the time. I mean, during that time, I was really into, and I think we were both really into Modern Vampires of the City by mm-hmm. Vampire oh, Weekend. Yeah. So we wanted just to saw do them actually uh, last yeah, weekend. Yeah, we were there. Yeah, super great cool. show. They were amazing. Agreed. Played yeah. for like two hours, which was it was worth it, except for the encores. The encores were not what I wanted. Yeah. Song was uh, New Dorp, New York. Yeah, the oh, subtract yeah. cover that Ezra King. I listened to that. Yeah, that was wild. I was like, they started playing it. I knew, even though I knew they were gonna do it, because I looked at their set list before. Sure, I was like, yeah. still like, whoa. I oh, I always go on. I always go on setlist.fm. Yeah, same, same uh, Before a band yeah. show, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I was disappointed they didn't play M79. That was the only oh, gripe. Sure, yeah. but. Um, but they brought uh, they brought Worship You out uh, in their encore, which is yeah. like my favorite song by them. The same with me, yeah. but for Yahe when they played yeah. Yahe, and yeah. the, the encore was pretty exciting. Sure, but yeah, we were really into Modern Vampires at the time, and I think we wanted to do something like that. And I was really personally, I was really into Death Cab's uh, Plans album. Oh yeah, and so it's like sure. a lot of like that indie soft boy stuff, and I just was yeah. like, it just didn't pan out. And, and over the course of being in the metal band, I got really into um, Brand New. Oh yeah, uh, and then Love that was kind of a tilting point for me in terms of like, cause you know, you're always like 17, so it's like you gotta right. get into brand new when you're 17, and, and it yeah. was like that one happened, and then Taking Back Sunday started, I started getting into them, and there's just like a tilting point for me toward emo, and then uh, the big band though that pushed me over the edge into becoming this band uh, now was Radiohead. That was the yes. oh, sure, sure, that sure. was yeah. Radiohead. Yeah, he, he wow. forced me to listen I, I to uh, my CD of uh, <laughs> Amnesiac. Was, Amnesiac yeah. into the oh, player, yeah. and I put I, such an uh, underrated uh, album. Knives, yeah. knives out on yeah. and we're uh, driving, and his ex girlfriend's dad loves that band. And I had a so big fight with him. And we did, we like did not him. like each other, so he was yeah. super biased. Yeah, and then and he like knew while he was listening to it that he loved it, but like as soon as the song was over, he just ejected the disc. Yeah, I was like, I was. <laughs> I didn't want to like it, and then I lo- right. ended up like listening to it a bunch, and I got really into Amnesiac, and then and I was like, I told yeah, you. and there was like Amnesiac, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of sold on this band, and then OK Computer, I listened to that next, yeah, I got yeah. from the library secretly without that was telling the first him. One I heard. Yeah, always... and I put it in, and I, I like laid on my bedroom floor for like, oh, yes, it had to have been the entirety of the record, yeah, and just didn't right. get up until it was over. I went to Best Buy and I bought like five CDs for five dollars because I had a gift card, and uh, one of them was OK Computer, and I just I heard it, and I like. Cried to a bunch of songs and I was like, "This song, this album is fantastic. It's like changing yeah. my yeah. life currently." Right. Well, I feel like so. Radiohead is just like it's fascinating how I don't think they have a magnum opus. I don't like that's an example. I like thing, yeah. And like I mean, people all like people will say like, "Oh yeah, Kid A or OK Computer is." Usually, like just the typical needle drop loving pitchfork <laughs> fanboy thing to say, but really, like I mean, I know people that um, that think um, you know, Hail to the Thief is like their best album. I know people that think In Rainbows is. I I'd say like probably like Kid A might be my favorite, but In Rainbows. Same, same here. Yeah. But honestly, honestly, In Rainbows has House of Cards on it, which is the song that put me onto them. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah for, for, for In Rainbows, for me, it's Jigsaw Falling Into Place. Is my yeah. from that. I love that song. Actually, all I, I need did. all I need is my number, uh, number one. Weird Fishes. Weird Fishes. We covered Weird, Weird Fishes at a basement oh, show one time, and it was awesome. We and crushed that song. Actually, the one I was that so glad we did from that album was... Uh, 
the one that you hate. <laughs> oh, Reckoner. Uh, Reckoner. I didn't yeah. like. I don't like. I Reckoner. love that one. Oh, I just yeah. like listen to it on repeat. And I <laughs> sure. Like, I need to hear this album. Yeah, so sure. I, <laughs> I was the same way, but with, but like I said, with Jigsaw falling into place was just track nine, and then eventually, uh, eventually, <clears throat> my favorite song. As I listened to the record, I realized like yeah. all I need is like one of their best songs, and I just became obsessed with it. Sure, and that's yeah. like my In Rainbows track. Everybody has like a track from In Rainbows. Right, right, right. But they're yeah. just yeah, obsessed with, true. and that's my. Nobody loves the same song. Yeah, it's right, true. But and you can say that about a lot of their albums, you know. Um, the Benz, also very uh, one yes. of their best ones a too. Lot of the, and that's that's the one I think that is like their the closest they ever get to being like the '90s band. Yeah. You know, right? right. And, I, and like, you got like yeah. the hit, like some '90s bangers, like classic '90s ultimate, Just, like High and Dry, uh, which they take plastic play, trees, which they don't play live anymore because they apparently hate High and Dry, like. I don't understandably. One, one of their yeah, one of their band made one of their band members like hates that song, so I don't play it anymore. But I actually saw. <laughs> but there's actually um, a band I saw recently. Um, this band Tomatillo uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, they uh, they shout out them because they actually played a cover of High and Dry. And it was really, really good. It was wholesome. Um, so we've been, we've been touring Creep right now because we're playing so much. New, <laughs> yeah. We're playing so much new stuff uh, in our set um, that we decided to throw in like a fan favorite, like everybody's favorite yeah. song. So we threw Creep in because we're like everybody yeah. loves Creep. Right. Yeah. So we've been touring Creep right now, even though we, even though none of us are like. You know, we it's Super not a favorite song. song. It's yeah. but it's it's fun to play because it's, it's a got a good, yeah. Everybody, I mean, you can like everybody knows it. Even if there's like a you know like a, a relatively empty house, it seems like every time we play creep, like the room we fills up all of a sudden. Song, so it, should play a yeah. band song. We, yeah, right. that'd be even better. Mm. But it's like they was a big fun thing. That's true. It's also like uh, not creep. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but like <laughs> most people won't say that. That all being said about Radiohead, no one will say like. Oh yeah, Pablo Honey. Nobody, my favorite. Nobody <laughs> says that. No yeah. one says that, but yes. I'm sure. I mean, right. I'm sure. I'm sure like, some people. My ex-girlfriend's sure dad. That, my like, ex-girlfriend's dad. I just thought about it. He, that's his favorite what? one. I think. Wow. As far as I know, at least his. At <laughs> least see. his number two. Yeah. Well, I can at least see people that like were around when that album came out. I could I could appreciate the sentiment of I must have because one of yes. my favorite songs by them is actually anyone can play guitar and that's from that's from Pablo Honey and that, that is, song slaps. Yeah, that, <laughs> there's that video. Yeah. There's that video. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's like an yeah. MTV live video and he uh, he has dyed blonde hair. Dyed, oh, so gross. And he's he like so, screams at the camera at one point. And he's like, really it's so gross. Oh, wow. And then jumps in the pool at the end. And there's been memes made out of it just huh. into infinity. Oh, that's good. But, but yeah, that's Kurt Radiohead was definitely the big one for for me oh, personally. That, that Johnny Greenwood plays. His guitar, he, does, he, he yanks the string. Yeah. the string. That's how oh, he wow. plays it at the end. Yeah, yeah it's just... incredible. <laughs> but yeah, they were the big one, the big transitioning band, definitely for me, uh, into being like I need to start my own project where I have more freedom and it's actual music. And I, I thought at the beginning of the band, you know, I thought it's gonna be super easy to get out and just start making like alternative rock stuff. Or, or at the time, I actually wanted to go in a poppier direction because I was also really into 1975's first two records. Oh, yeah, the sure. second record had just come out. Um, but. Um, I realized really quickly that it is a lot harder to make alt rock than it is to make metal because with metal you just have to be heavy. That's the only yeah. rule. Yeah. Is, and but with with alt rock it's like there's a there's a lot of elements that I was I didn't know who I was as a songwriter and it's like a lot of self, like soul searching you know yeah uh, sure. over the course of a couple months um, to like actually figure out what I wanted to do and I, I would say the song we wrote the father 
was the turning point for me as a writer where I finally felt like I was actually an alternative yeah, musician. we wrote that sure. one a lot together. Yeah, we did, and that was, yeah, because yeah, I, I found like this is the weird basement. guitar riff. It's actually a great song. Yeah, I, I love it, that song. I love yeah. playing it live, though. It's a lot of fun, mm -hmm. but I, we, I found this little, just this plucky guitar riff, and he started playing yeah, the bass, and we found yeah. something to do together, and, and, uh, and then I wrote a bunch of lyrics, and the lyrics actually meant something, and all of a sudden it was like, I yeah. felt like an actual writer, you know. So that was probably the beginning. Of, the real beginning of the band was when the father was certain, sure. probably because that was where that's the, say. the earliest on where you can hear our actual how we actually sound yeah. now. Where now that we're solidified into a sound, you know. So Agreed. and we're never gonna stay in one place. Like I, I mean, I've already started working on LP three, uh, and nice. it's gonna be very different. I would say the first time I started feeling confident as a songwriter was probably. Lullaby song actually. It was on this album, yeah. It's, it's if you're if you're listening on Apple Music and Spotify, it's called Lullaby. If you're listening on Bandcamp or SoundCloud, it's just a dash. But I oh, think wow. either way, okay. it's track nine. So sure. or track eight. So key notation there. Yeah. Um, a lot of different song title changes. And the, the distributor. We're a little uh, a little late on this, but uh, we're missing our drummer here. Yes, Josh. Josh yeah, Hill. He make it unfortunately. Um, that's okay. We love you, Josh. Yeah, um, we do love you. Hopefully we're making you proud. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but um, I I found like as I've like listened to your guys' stuff, your music's difficult to classify, but in a good way. Um, like I I don't like to use the thing is I, I hate myself for throwing the term around so much, but I hate labeling an artist as like an experimental blank because like I mean a lot of stuff is extreme. It's such an umbrella term. It's like calling a group an indie group, you know? It's sure. it's like a very, it's a very like umbrella term to describe something that isn't really like, uh, that doesn't, f that defies the norms of an otherwise popular genre. Yeah. Um, but I know you guys have like a lot of, uh, you know, you have, um, you take elements of emo and some prog rock and, um, you know, you. The prog is noise. all him. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's noise. And the emo is probably all me. So it's, 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 it's if yeah. we get the emo, the proggy emo thing, it's because he, he like grew up with the prog and I grew up with the emo yeah. and that's just how it happened. <laughs> so it's My kind primary of, influences, I would say, are uh, David Bowie, a lot of the old prog stuff like Genesis, yes. Right, uh, um, great, yeah. I can acknowledge that they're a little bit lame. <laughs> But I still love them. Um, I think the other day Brian, we were talking. Brian, you know I love. Brian was great. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other day we were talking about Prague and I and him and Hans from Cream Vellum. Whenever we're all together, shout out Hans Jaeger. Hans, <laughs> he's always over at the house. We love him. But, Sweetest dude ever. Yeah. Oh, I love him. But he, uh, whenever he comes over, they're always listening to Prague. And yes. uh, I made a joke to him the other day where I was like, every time it comes on, I'm like, I never was. I wasn't given Prague. I feel like you have to be given it. Like as I a child, think I um, recognized. Yeah. The thing that I love about Genesis the most, it's that it's like the closest rock has come to musicals instead of the closest musicals have come to rock. Because <laughs> that's usually lame, but like Genesis is still like passable. Yeah. Right. Because like right. his costumes are so well done and it's not just like a story, it's like music first, story second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would say that actually that's a good way to put it too. It ties into, and I think that's why a lot of our music is so theatrical too, because you appreciate that about Genesis, and my favorite record ever is American Idiot, which was, mm. you know, eventually yeah. transitioned mm -hmm. into an actual Broadway production. So it's like, we both have, and then your your favorite album, uh, Ritual, Love Ritual, is yeah. another super lengthy concept album. Yes. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. we both have this really theatrical way, and Jane's Addiction is even more theatrical than Green Day is an American Idiot. So it's like, 
it's kind of like well, there's a lot of there's a lot of theatrical. Yeah, yeah. made into a musical. That's true. That is true. <laughs> right, yeah. That is true. There there are like yeah way more like uh like there are more like elongated songs with like six parts on American yeah, sure. Idiot. You know where it's like there there and it has like six yes. song titles. You know. Yeah. But uh but it, there is like but we, we that's why we only write concept records too mm. is because we're we, we both grew up with long songs. Yeah, long songs sure, yeah. concept <laughs> records and it's kind of like we with three parts. I believe. I mean, I believe pretty vehemently that if you are an artist and you make an album, that it needs to be a concept album. Because if it's not a concept album, then it's way. like it's just a, yeah. a string of songs. And I feel like anybody can write usually, like ten yeah. disjointed songs. Then, yeah, because then it's just you're putting various disjointed ideas onto one project, and it's like I mean, you know, sometimes that can be. I mean, like sometimes it's just a matter of like a you know a culmination of like a lot of songs that you had been sitting on for a long time and you want to put something out mm. but which i get a lot of artists do but you're right because it's like a concept album is a fully realized idea yes. of like your growth as a musician what's relevant to you and what you're writing about Absolutely. like that's why like a lot of people like to say oh this <laughs> album is about growing up or this album is about being sad <laughs> a relationship album you know right. what i mean i would say all artists with novels with with uh, poetry collections, it's all supposed to be thematically connected, and a lot of albums today just don't have that. It's true. Yeah. All when we're in the studio together uh, with Ron Baki, shout out Ron Baki, Subtie Studios. Uh, whenever we're with him, we, I mean, he he will sit with us tirelessly. I mean, we, like I told you on the way mm. into this room, we I mean, when we did the, the first stretch for the recording of this this most recent album, it was three days. We slept at his house. Uh, oh, his, yeah. his studios <laughs> in his basement. We slept at his sure. house for three days. And um, you sleep on floors, or yeah, floors. Yeah. right. You gotta sleep on floors, but yeah, <laughs> we, that's, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, so we yeah, we slept. I mean, we slept on the floor. We recorded and we recorded, and and the thing about uh, all the time we've ever spent with Ron, I would say for every all three of the projects so far, the key word in the studio has been cohesion. Yes, we yeah. talk cohesion. We throw that word out every time we talk about it. Like, why are we doing this? Because it's more cohesive. We need to keep the cohesion. It's all about every song making sense together. And even on this record, where more songs on this album are incredibly disjointed. I mean, it's 15 tracks, incredibly yeah. disjointed songs that would not make sense in the context of of other things. In this album, I think it actually comes if, together and makes sense. If, yeah. if some of these songs did not have another song on the album to back it up stylistically, I feel like they wouldn't work on their own. Ego Death and Orphan is a perfect yes. example of that, where it's like Orphan in the first half, Ego Death in the second half. Same with uh, Lucinia or HTTPS in the first half, Blood in the second half. Esk and Fatherland. Fatherland, yeah. Mm -hmm. there's, it's just very... There's, I wanted this album... I actually added a song uh, that was not supposed to be on the album called Sold Out. Uh, that was at the time I, I recorded it, just an idea in my head. I never demoed it or anything. I added that, <laughs> so I added uh, Sold Out onto the album because... Um, I wanted there to be a mirror effect on the album because I knew that Lullaby Song or the Dash song that he brought up earlier would be the middle. I knew that would be the perfect middle to the album. It would be an intermission between halves. I knew that was exactly where that song needed to be. Um, so I wanted to make sure that when the way we had the album set up, it was seven songs, middle, six songs. Sure. And okay. I wanted there to be a, a perfect mirror effect to the album. So I threw on another track uh, just to even out the sides. Uh, I never even demoed Sold Out. I just knew that it needed to be there to fill out the mirror of the album, and that's why uh, when we finally put the track listing together, it was take one of the one of the trip hoppy. What we mentioned to you in our last last uh, interview, you know, the idea of uh, Tranquil Stadium. Take one of the yeah, Tranquil Stadium yeah, yeah. songs, put it over here, and put another one over here, and then put you know one of the countryer songs over here, country songs over here. Sure, sure. So sure. it's kind of uh, it's very it's yeah. very meticulous. We are. I mean, we we work on our records for. 
I mean, it takes usually a year and a half to, to really finish the album, so it's kind of like, yeah. We and try to be feel that meticulousness while you were listening to the album? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, because you have, like, uh, because you, like, it's very intentional putting those interludes yeah. between, like, the length of your seven, eight, nine minute tracks um, that have, you know, um, various compositional elements in one lengthy track, um, which is an essential component of prog rock music. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely felt that, and I, I think that, um, I don't know, it's, for one, it's just, like, amazing to um, see bands in, in the Milwaukee area. I know you guys are from Waukesha, but, like, seeing them do that, um, I, I, like, I mean, there's, uh, this, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of really fucking talented rock musicians out here, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of them are also pretty young, like you guys, and, you know, they're coming out with like EPs or singles or stuff, but like um, it's really amazing to see you guys putting together such a thank you, such a highly um, um, realized project. Um, yeah, we were given advice a couple weeks ago by our friend Rod Wortham about putting out singles. Shout out Rod from New yes. Vices. Actually, just interviewed him on uh, Friday. Oh, very yeah, cool. he was like exclusive uh, company. Oh, yeah, that's right. I heard about that. Yeah. Was, yeah, she put out singles if you really want to gain a following or. Right, we talked about it on the way to that Miramar show we did with them and uh, with with uh, Mario Lanza and Claire Pioneer. And, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, sure. Bad, and I can understand his viewpoint. What was the name of the other band? Bad Company. Bad. <laughs> Something bad company. <laughs> <laughs> they were like a band I've never I'd never listened to them before, but they were was it Feather Featherweight? Yes, Featherweight. Featherweight. Sure. They were super cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I just never had listened to them before. But they were, they killed. But um. Uh, when we were doing that show, Rod, we, we were the first band there by a lot, unfortunately. We got there way too early, and Rod was just opening the doors, and we talked for 20 minutes about, you know, you guys are putting out a 15-track album today? Because it was the release day, and we were like, yeah. And he was like, why are you putting out a 15-track album? Like, why didn't you take the time and, like, put out a single? And then he asked me, he's like, how many of the songs in the album do you think could have been singles? And I was, like, really eager. I was like, ten. You know, he was like, five. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Rod goes, okay, so just so you know, anything that isn't a single is filler. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. Because personally, that's what I love about making an album, is that if you're a good writer, you can make songs that aren't singles, but also aren't filler. Like, yes, my, right, one of my yeah. favorite groups now, as of the last like year or so, is Fleet Foxes. I love, and, um, one of my favorite bands of all love, time. On Helplessness Blues, uh, there's so many songs. The Shrine and Argument, The Plains Bitter Dancer, uh, like, um, that are like six, that are like six songs. Yeah, just enormous songs yeah, that yeah, could yeah. not have been singles, right. but they're not filler because they're, they're some of the best points in the album, you yeah. know, specifically on the shrine and argument is one of my favorite songs of, of all time. And the screeching uh, horns at the end, the, the horns at the end, even Bedouin dress, yeah. I wouldn't see as a single. Right, exactly, and that's one yeah. of like, that's even a popular yeah, song. Yeah, that's it's one of the most popular yeah. songs on that album. Yeah. Um, it helps us blues. The, the title track is one of their biggest songs. And I could not have seen that as a single either because it's like, that song is, has so much, right. you know, and it's not. There's no and like to it. You and know? you take um, you take White Winter Hymnal, um, which was I think the first single they ever came out with as a band. But that song is hardly. I mean, it's one of my favorite songs ever. But it's hardly mm. single material. No, it's, it's like two yeah, minutes it's, long, and, and it's, it's like, very and dark. It's kind of quiet. Yeah. It's super <laughs> dark. And and for some reason now, and like, it's just I was, a refrain the whole time. I was talking <laughs> to my girlfriend yesterday. I made her listen to the Fleet Foxes self title for the first time yesterday, and she was like, "I know one of the songs in this album." And I was like, "White Winter Hymnal." She's like, "Where do I know it from?" I'm like, "Pentatonix covered it." And for some reason, now it's a Christmas classic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's right, it is, it's yeah. weird that that happened. Thinking about it, Christmas standard now. Lying in a bed. 
that it actually has kind of a lot of parallels to that song. Right, just exactly. Yeah, twice. yeah, like in a better or censored sudden is censored what it's called on the record now. But no. yeah, that was that was the aside from lullaby song. Noah did a that lot song more writing was on this album. Not as messy before. No. before we put it through Ron. Yeah, we. And I, I was still kind of nervous about it. Even today, I'm still kind of nervous about that song because sure. like, it's just. Such a pile of mess and sounds. Yeah, I, I love that song though. And it's one Do of my you? yeah, I love it. I listen, okay. that's like the one I go to when I'm listening to our own music. Oh, I'll click that one on the album because it's it's a the thing about it that I love about that song, we were dealing with some stuff here. The thing I yeah, love yeah, about yeah. that song uh, is uh, I I when we got when we when you showed me the melody at first, I knew that the melody was like this needs to be on the album, it's a right. perfect melody. It's per it yeah, perfectly mirrors yeah. uh HGTPS Nightingale also, where it's like got that that like almost Brit poppy oh, like swingy, you yeah. know, like melodic, you know, gusto. And I was like I wanted to I needed to be on the album to mirror, but also because it's just so amazing that yeah. melody. And um and then when we took it to the studio, you, I mean, we never talked about what we were going to do with it. And I think part of the reason why we recorded the song the way we did is because uh, I had a couple ideas, and I thought I thought I had a vision, just a glimpse of a vision, and we didn't want to like waste Ron's time yes. by just yeah. like sitting around and, and talking about it. So I was like, I, I he started playing the bass line so that he had written for it, and then he started singing the melody. And uh, when he repeated the bass line, and then we did the vocals, and when he did the vocals, I don't know if you noticed on the track, but in the middle he goes to transition, and then he yeah. like goes way too early, or not way too like two beats early and then he laughs and then he laughs into the next, the oh, next wow. refrain sure. and that was not in, intended on the, when we recorded it but I heard him do it and I heard it mixed into the ears and stuff with the bass line and I was like I got a vision all of a sudden where I was like okay here's what we're going to do I need like, he was like I'm going to play some guitar in there I'm like make it as jangly as possible I think you tuned oh, every I string yeah, I think you tuned every string to the to the same yeah. to the same no key. I didn't tune them to the same to the same key, yeah, not the same note. Or yeah, anything. we just like kind of tuned them to random like sure. notes that yeah. fit into the. And yeah, then I grabbed really it live anymore. No, and like <laughs> I, I wanted to. Uh, I had this. I have this influence from Father John Misty. I love him. We saw him last weekend. Oh, great. And uh, and he has a song. Uh, I want to say it's uh, two wildly different perspectives or whatever. And uh, there's this, a part where the drums like kind of come in and then they like kind of cut out really fast like in a weird glitch thing and I knew I wanted something like that on our album and I was like this would be a perfect place to place it and so I, I kind of worked my own thing out there. I thought the problem with it was that it could get, because the song doesn't really ebb and flow dynamically, it's just kind of like the same level the whole time and I felt like if we added the drum thing it would just be just another layer of clutter on top of it. Sure, but I mean the way Ron mixed it in, I kind of, I, I sat with Ron on that one for a minute. Because there was a lot of Noah was doing his play, uh, like his final your last semester play. Yeah. So you were I, when it came to like time to be done recording and start mixing. Uh, That's it was another me thing and, I do. I go yeah. to EWM for acting. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was me and sure. me and Ron just in the studio together for eight hours at a pop, three days a week, just sitting in and mixing this record. And that was that was like what I did with all my free time. Yeah. And when we were coming to that one, I mean, Ron and I probably spent an hour mixing that, just those wow. drum cuts because it was like we needed to make them perfect. But I knew. When I heard the guitar and the bass and the vocals and the way that the drums were playing, I just had this vision where I was like, I told Ron, I'm like, we're gonna throw a piano on this quick, and I went over the piano and I just kind of like played random yeah. notes, like drunkenly sure. almost, because <laughs> I, I knew I wanted yeah. I wanted to get this mix across where it's like this alien sound, but it also the, the sounds like bass holding it down, right? Exactly, but then it also sounds like like a like a weird bar ballad, 
being played in space. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I, I sat with Ron. Yeah, I sat with Ron. I'm like, we need to make this like sloppy it up, like drag some stuff out, <laughs> yeah. double up his vocals, make him seem like almost make. I wanted we doubled the vocals on it, and uh, Ron did a good job. When we, when I, he actually wasn't there for the mixing. I wasn't there for the mixing of the part, but I told him uh, we needed to make him sound drunker. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> like yeah. make him sound drunker, and then uh, and yeah. then we we like did the drum thing and the piano, and it actually came across exactly how I had that glimpse of that vision and then I showed it to him and I was like here's what we did yeah, I hope you yeah. like it and, and then he was like we need to get some other ears on this and we brought like I mean we probably showed it to four people before we released it and everybody that heard it was like this is a slap you need to release it yeah. and both of us were still a little bit uncomfortable but as soon as the album came out and I heard it in the context of the album I was like no, I suppose perfect. that's true usually when I hear it in the context I'm like this is great <laughs> outside of it I'm like yeah, I'm worried. sure, right, yeah. right. And because it, it's coming off of Sold Out, which is like uh, when you were talking about dynamic, a lot of my songs have, I, I always get made fun of for this, especially by Hans, uh, <laughs> all my songs go from really low to really high and then come back down. Like that's how every song, it like starts really low with a low guitar and then it builds up to noise right, and it comes yeah. back. And, uh, and that's coming off of, that song is coming off of Sold Out, which is one of those where it's a very low to high dynamic. So it's a big dynamic shift. And I think what we needed to, and Melissa is right before that. So it's like dynamic shift, huge dynamic shift, huge dynamic shift. Now you need something that's just Now we need something sloppy. That's even, right? Sure. Just something totally even that cuts through the, the monotony of Logan's dynamic shifting. So what was the longest time you spent on one song on this record? On this record? In the studio? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I would say for, for the time that I spent, I don't remember how much of this was mixing and how much of this was recording, but for me, I think the longest time I spent recording was uh, for Nightingale, because there's a lot of pieces, or HGTPS, there's a lot of pieces on that song, and there's a string section, and there is the strings, piano, drums, guitar, bass, um, keyboards, multiple vocal parts. Wow. Uh, like multiple guitar parts, and then and then mixing all that down. I would say that song probably took like six hours or seven hours of recording. Oh wow! And that was one of the ones that I did. Uh, okay, I'm usually on on one of our in our projects. There's like one song that it's just like me and Ron just together, like just going at it on the on the you know on the in the recording yeah. booth because it's like a song that I haven't really demoed. It's just in my head, and this was that one for the album where it was just like I was just just me and Ron together in the studio just recording and recording and recording and recording and it was probably six or seven hours of recording wow. for that one so that one a lot of this my baby a lot of yeah. this, a lot of this. Yeah, I mean I, I have just cans and cans of this <laughs> useful but, uh, yeah. it was uh yeah that one was like my baby on this album because it it was I I like the dynamic shift in the song and it is really theatrical and and that's something that I like in my music and I would say it shows through the the time put into that song I hope at least shows through in the final project because I sure. mean we remixed that song four or five times before it released it too so that one was long I'd say the longest that we spent that I can remember spending though together recording a song was on the last EP and that was Red Cliffs and that took up an entire day because we had yeah. we had like yeah. 10, 15 instruments on oh, that song backwards yeah, that was our last EP and yeah, yeah backward vocals xylophone uh, toy piano oh, wow. uh, like Wood whistles and incredibly bongos. layered. And, yeah, stuff. there was yeah. a lot of Trumpet. stuff we did. Yeah, yeah Trumpets, piano, guitar, bass. Yeah, uh, and then and then uh, and then the we middle had part and then the end the middle part. part, which is a noise part, and then the end part, which is like a saxophone. callback to the first album. Yeah. We had a saxophone part. He did a spoken word. It was just a lot. Damn, that was probably the longest I spent on that. Uh, ever on a song. I mean, I probably took um, that was another one that probably took seven though. hours. The latest album, I would say, the one that I spent the most time perfecting was probably Lullaby, uh, because it's like. 
probably nine minutes long. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. Almost yeah. three parts, pretty yeah. much. And I wrote the bass part originally, and it was supposed to be super meaty and just kind of freaky. Not freaky. It's like I don't know. I, lullaby was the first thing I thought of. I thought of the lullaby. Or, uh, this song off of Disintegration by The Cure. Oh yeah, one of one of the best. Yes. Love. There's one song that I realized that it sure. sounds a lot like. And I was like, oh, but uh, it doesn't in the in the end. And um, so with that one, I actually wrote some of those synth parts at the end, uh, that same day that I recorded that song, and uh, I just kind of went in there and I slapped it out, and yeah, I just really enjoyed writing that whole thing, and it was really just Josh and I, and we recorded the bass and drums at the same time, and. It was kind of difficult because Josh is a crazy drummer, and <laughs> so I had to per be perfect for like nine or ten minutes yeah. while he was like doing these weird time signature things that I couldn't keep up with sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sure. and, that, and it really shows through though on that track. I was not there for most of the recording. Well, I was there, but I was in the other room. I don't know what I was doing. I can't remember. But I was in the other room doing something, and I was like listening in there, and I was like. I had nothing prepared for that song. We did not demo that song. I had nothing. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to offer to the song. He had no the, idea. Uh, and I, the guitars. Yeah, the, oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, that was like and then the, uh, the best idea. The thing that reminds me of King Crimson, right in the middle. Where I'm like, when he starts... It's just like playing on one note, like the end of Red by King Crimson. Yeah, And that song for guitar, that was... I like sat with my guitar for like 30 seconds. I was like, I found yeah. a setting I wanted, or two settings I wanted. Then I was like, okay, go. And we recorded, and I yeah. did the whole 10 minutes, one take. I don't know how to replicate That's it. That's what I really love about a lot of prog rock is that it's really improvised. Yeah. It shows the possibilities of music, and that there are a lot of things that were not looked like in that King Crimson song I was talking about. It's just him going up the whole time while uh, Bill. Bruford is just playing the same drum thing and just this kind of ooh slapping it out and yeah. and it's just so simple right and it's like we need to go back to the simple don't make it so complicated get all these stupid thoughts in our mind that music needs to be this way no it's way easier than yeah I've been thinking things. about that recently too a bit I've been listening going back to some of my older stuff that I listened to when we first started the band and one of the ones I've been listening to a lot is L.A. Woman uh, and uh -huh. Riders on the Storm is another good example of a song that's just simple. It doesn't need, it's just, yeah. just the same bass riff, it's a Fantastic. walking bass riff, and then like a walk up in the chorus, and then it's, but then there's just the, you know, the beauty of the yeah. organ piece. Oh my gosh, Well, yeah. so two of my favorite albums of all time um, are Meriwether Post Pavilion, Ooh. Animal Collective, and Hissing Fauna, Are You the Destroyer by El Montreal. Those are two of my favorite albums of all time. And both albums are, are like, they're water. Like, um, they're, Very true. <laughs> they're, they're water. Like it's, it's, um, like even like the singles off of those, like, off my of, girls. yeah, my <laughs> girls, summertime clothes, brothers for it. Like all those songs are like, it's, it's a, they're pieces of a puzzle. Like it's hard to even like listen to them as singles because like you can hear the transitions from each, from one song to the next at the beginning and end of each, of each, uh, song and like and a lot of it like uses there's, there's like a lot of water effects that are between like each song on Meriwether and then when we talk about Hissing Fauna like Groenlandic Edit, um, Heimsdalgate like a Promethean Curse and a, sen a sentence of and a sentence of source and Kongsvinger that is hard to say um, <laughs> those are like three of the most popular songs and like the poppiest songs but but Hissing Fauna is a concept album and it's about like Kevin Barnes is like 
depression and his his domestic mm -hmm. uh, troubles with like his wife and just like a lot of personal shit he was going on and like yeah like they do have pop friendliness when there are songs by themselves but like when you listen to it by the when you listen to it within the full piece it just makes a lot more sense in the context of the album because the transitions between the songs are also there like between each song like you can hear the beginning of the next song at the end um and the end of the last song at the beginning of each song and like I don't know. It's I, I I think it's really amazing that you guys bring light to this because like that's why I get pissed that people don't listen to albums anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you can't make it. I, I say that heard I say that all of the time. I haven't heard it either. But I, I know yeah. that they're very Bowie influenced, and I ca I kind of get what you're saying, and I kind of feel that same way about Bowie. Is that a lot of his songs can stand on their own as singles, especially like Aladdin Sane era. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What I feel with of Montreal from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sure. uh, time. Mm -hmm. uh, and Drive-In Saturday All yeah. that stuff is great on its own But then in the context of the album It's just this glommy, or glammy romp It's just yeah. boisterous right, 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 And yeah. I, would, I was saying this to him We did an interview in Waukesha a couple days ago uh, Live stream and I was talking to him about this Or talking to you know the, everybody about it and, It was so weird and conceptual And I mentioned, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mentioned to him uh, And to the people that were interviewing us That um, If you can't write an album <clears throat> then like what are you doing like yeah. you can, anybody yeah. can make one song anybody can right. make, like a person that doesn't just know watch heart, watch that new movie hearts beat loud um, have you guys seen that one no. it just came out this past year it's with uh, nick offerman but it's about like the son and daughter excuse me this father and daughter that like make a hit song that lands on a spotify playlist and they all of a sudden like become famous and like become like a project and he's all like uh, no, I don't want to do this. I just want to like own my record store and shit. But but it's like, and the, at, at the end of the at the end of the movie, they play like a three song set in the record store. Yeah. You, you can make a hit song, but yeah, like I mean, I'm a big album guy. Like I love to listen to just a fully actualized concept that comes in the form of various different inter intricate. Lyrical compositions and and uh, and instrumentation and all that stuff like you guys have so many fucking layers, you know Yes, this is something that we were talking about the other day, too He was talking about how a lot of people aren't very specific with their influences and like they'll just be influenced by Metallica or Led Zeppelin or, or Nirvana and it's like everybody's influenced by the Beatles Yeah, 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 yeah And right. you should start identifying what is really influencing you and what you want to draw from instead of just allowing yourself to be generic. I think right. I put that on Facebook too where I said at the end of it, if you, I said, uh, identify your influences I guess and okay don't be derivative. Yeah, right, of course. Of course. Things, songs. Right, if, yeah. you can, if you can identify your influences and not be derivative, you will blow up. Of course. I promise. And that's part of what we have attempted to do with all of our music is here's our influences, you can kind of see them, but you can't directly tell unless we tell you, yeah. and because we're not derivative, and uh, <laughs> and hopefully eventually people will you know really like that. And yes. John would, uh, Go ahead. And another thing, I'm in a creative writing class right now at UWM because I'm uh, just summer class, and yeah. uh, it's talking all about how the image is the king of creative writing. So when you're writing a poem, you want to get as granular as possible. Possible. Look at exactly what's happening. Look at the tiny movements in every scene. Mm -hmm. So like. The attention to detail, you know, yes, like exactly. that's what it, what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, you always need attention to detail. If you don't have that, then you're not going to be a very good writer. Right, right. No, of course, yeah, yeah. So, explain the band, or excuse me, explain the 
album's title. I thought it was going to be all caps. Well, it I, was. It, it, they, <laughs> our, distri our distributor is garbage. It is all word. It's all one word, though. It is all caps. So somewhere. yeah, it's yeah. somewhere. Whenever, like Spotify and or, uh, SoundCloud and Spotify Bandcamp. was very finicky with our. They album. were. They were so finicky. It was ditto music distribution. They, they Spotify just, won't put my podcast on. on they Spotify. don't. They, they, we couldn't get on it's, Pandora. Yeah, they would, Pandora wouldn't let us on there. It's their frustrating. Channel. It's, it's like appeal to enough people. It's my job to make the thing. It's your job to put the thing on. You the have internet. one job. Please. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, with this album, with this album title, we actually got this album title before we got the last album title, the the last LP. So the, before our first record, we were driving one day to uh, to the exclusive company on seventy uh, six or seventy fourth, and um, we were. Um, just in the car, and I was reading through my Snapchat stories, like the, the corporate ones, and I yeah, saw there yeah. was a Cosmo one, and the name of the Cosmo article was "This is how it feels to almost die." And I was like, I want to hold on to that, so I kind of like wrote it, jotted <laughs> yeah, it down. Sure. And then, uh, you know, years later, we're working on this this new project, and all of the the things come together, and I'm like, yeah. I need something to title this so that it gives me an umbrella to write under. Yeah, but I have right. all these concepts, and I want to, you know. And then I was like, this, I found it on my phone. I was like, this is how it feels to almost die. That's perfect. So I like just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. from that point on, I started working with it. And then it really stuck in there. I kind of always knew, I think, that I wanted to name an album that, though. Yeah, you know? sure, so, sure. Cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, what are we expecting from you guys now that the album's out? We What's are uh, we are looking at uh, going to some labels in Chicago and Indiana soon right. with a kind of package just, you know, of, of our music in, you know, physical form. Because we, we just want to go there and visit them, too, mm -hmm. just, you know make our presence known. Yeah. It'd be weird. Because uh, this is one thing that I've noticed about his, his new girlfriend is that she stays after shows and meets bands and it's like, I didn't even know you You have that. to do that. You I have to do not that. Know yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great because you will learn so much about what the creative process looks like. Exactly. From sticking around and having a conversation with somebody about, yeah, like, How'd you do that? Like on that song? Absolutely. Like, how's your how's your tour going? You exactly. know, like what goes into it? Right, and that's uh, that's actually a good segue. We're I realized yeah. that it's important to recognize that just being there and being present is making a statement. Yeah, yeah definitely. But uh, I think that was a good segue. What you said into the next thing that we're doing uh, in July. We announced a short period of it today, but uh, we're going to be on tour um, Great. for about two weeks in July. So awesome. that's, we're looking forward to that, and that'll be the album tour. Where is it taking you? Uh, we are starting in Kentucky, and then uh, Virginia, um, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, and I think we go back to Michigan Minnesota. one more time. Minnesota. We go back to Michigan one more time. I see you're playing at and Ohio. You're saying playing at Amsterdam <laughs> Bar and Hall. Yeah. I believe yeah. that's gonna be pretty cool. I just saw Ivy Tear there two months ago. God, yeah, I, I heard somebody, uh, somebody, uh, Knuckle Puck and Citizen from the pop punk scene. They were uh, they were there the other night and they had like a nice big sold out. Oh show yeah. There, so sure. I'm actually kind of excited to play that venue. It seems like a really cool place. Yeah, yeah. And that's how we're starting the tour. So you know, start high and then be disappointed for the rest. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> right. the plan. You know, when we're playing all these you know basements and clubs after we played this actual yeah. venue. You know. Um, but it's gonna be a good time. I, I'm really looking forward to meeting all the people that we've, that I've been talking to and connecting with over the internet, and it's gonna be a good experience. That'll probably be our big one. Um, yeah. But other than that, I mean, just uh, promoting the album as much as we possibly yes, can, absolutely. because I know that this album can tend to, uh, at least from my songs, be a little bit uh, indulgent. But opaque. I hope that I hope yeah, opaque, but also <laughs> indulgent. Yeah. I hope that people understand, though. I hope somebody. I'm sure the people that have been through similar things yeah. to what I've been through in the last few years will read it and understand it. I wrote. Uh, the, this is. Uh, 
what are the two songs that I wrote that are like the most must see of end of the year? Like, yeah, most must see of end of the year, and uh, there's a key under the mat. There's a the key under the yeah. mat. Sure. So like with those songs too, that's a, that's part of our writing more process. Comfortable as a rock musician with those that's two true. songs. That's true. Yeah, that's kind of part <laughs> of uh, part of our writing process too. I think that's something that that we bring up usually during inter like almost every interview so far. But uh, we kind of trade roles. Yeah, we, it's album. interesting. So no. it's kind of like um, on on the songs that I write, I start usually with like a guitar riff and a melody. And then he comes in and he adds keyboards and bass parts to make my basic stuff more interesting. <laughs> and then on his songs, he provides me I, with like a rhythm and a riff. Way too yeah. much information. Yeah, just so much. It's just hard for me to write to it. It's like he'll give me like this like, thing that spans like four signatures, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna need to. First of all, we need to pair this, tie this in. Yeah, it he makes it very it. easy for me to write to him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you do. That I you try know. my best. Yeah, good. I do that too. No, I love, I love getting the content so I can, you know, mold it, and it's, it's part of what I like doing as a musician. Is so yeah. he'll bring me like a really interesting bass riff that's really long, and I'll be like, here's what the drums are gonna do, and then he'll be like, J -j 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 and I'm like, we'll figure this out. Then, so I call Josh, yeah. and then Josh comes in, and then Josh. Will you know play with you and kind of get your get your thing down and you yeah. guys will figure out a thing and then uh, and then my job from that point in is just uh, do a guitar riff that fills out the parts that aren't quite full yet with just in terms of the upper uh, end of the EQ and then to write a convincing melody to it you know or, or convincing lyrics so things about your your songs on this album is is just that they're too long to be single sometimes they're just as catchy mm -hmm. they're catchy enough to be single like esque yeah is a good just example of that it's like, yeah. it's like six minutes you know so yeah. it's kind of like yeah. i can't yeah. single a six minutes long you have a most must see is like three and a half or four and then iec which is another one of my songs is like two and a half right and that song came out of and even that one might be a bit too abrasive that one was i don't know why i love yeah. i love playing, I love playing that song now it's oh we open God. our sets now and oh, wow, nice. so much Brutal. fun to play it just rips because that's the only song i get to use my fuzz pedal on oh yeah so uh as we uh, we're running out of time, sadly, mm -hmm. but um, gotta give you the closing questions. <gasps> Logan. Yes. What keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night. Oh gosh. Um, <clears throat> uh, I suppose like uh, the worry maybe that I'm not uh, not where I'm either supposed to be or not doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, maybe that I'm being too indulgent in my life and I'm not doing the thing that's, like maybe there's something I'm missing that's right in front of me. My friend, no. That is the band I fucking exist in. <laughs> Good. Somebody else gets it, because it's horrible. It's, I, yeah. This week has been horrible in terms of that. I've been constantly preoccupied with, oh, I'm not doing enough. But, you know, I digress. Uh, Noah, how about you? What we'll, we'll keeps you up at night? Um, I would say... YouTube videos. <laughs> yes, I agree. I that too. Reddit, oh. Reddit. Uh, oh my useless God. things that I should not be staying up for, because uh, I probably do it because I'm afraid to keep going with other things. Yeah. Like with the creative writing thing, I'm supposed to be writing a short story, and it's like I know that I could just do it, but like you know, it's. Not just not doing it. You're just supposed to do things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> and that's that's a good thing about our relationship too. Is I feel like uh, you help me analyze, not just do, but to analyze. Right. And I help you not just to analyze, but also to do. So it's like I'm like we should go out of the house, and you're like why? And that's our whole relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's and a good like, thing. One more YouTube video. It's 40 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Oh my god, yeah. it's true. We'll put you to sleep. What puts me to sleep? Um, I would say um, 
uh, Frank Ocean. Um, yeah. Not, no, not in a bad way, in a good way. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Channel Orange. Um, also, um, what puts me to sleep? Uh, when I realize that there's nothing that I have to be doing. <sighs> when I finally get to that point That's in the thought process place. where I decide that there's nothing I have to be doing, there's nothing objectively that needs to be done that I'm not doing. Right. Yes. And I, I say I'm being safe, I'm not being stupid, I'm not hurting anyone by existing. And also that, you know, life is just a journey and then I always tell him too, there's only one path in life and it's the path that you end up taking. There's only one thing that's gonna happen, and it's the thing that you, when you get when you die and you look back, or when you're about to die yeah. and you look back, there's only one path that you yeah. still, it's, and it's the one you took. Right. So it's like just take the path, you know. We'll put you to sleep now. The thing about that question with me is that I can't think before I go to sleep. I can't listen to music. I can't like watch anything because then I just I just think for hours. And uh, instead, I try to clear my mind. I have this image specifically that I use where it's like a, a broom sweeping like this wooden floor. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then it's just totally clear. And then I try to just imagine that wooden floor, just stare at it with its, you know, knotted, uh, knobby stuff. Sure. Just try to stare at it. Sometimes I try to count sheep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just that calming imagery that You're thinking about, like, why am I counting sheep? Why are these sheep doing this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's making them? <laughs> these sheep are making me do math right now. Yeah, they're way too realistic. <laughs> it's like their faces are... They turn at you and it's like a are, human... They have flies on them. Oh, <laughs> They're, like, God. dirty and yeah. bloody, yeah. and I'm like, why... Just they're being, simple they're being shaven. I'm jealous of your of your ability to, like, have that wooden floor image, because I whenever I close my eyes and, I like, and I'm, like, trying to envision something, when I try to envision something, I can't. It's just... Colors. That's all it is. It's just like crazy barrage of thoughts and colors, and I don't know how to stop it. You know, but mm -hmm. it's really difficult. Yeah, yeah, but I'm jealous of your your tranquil mind. Yeah, a lot, always jealous of your tranquil <laughs> mind. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you for guys for being us, on the man. show. Thank you. This is a new album. Yes. I also, listen to Cream Bellum's new EP. This is how it feels to almost die. Yes. And. Uh, Venus. Venus RX RX. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. And I I can. I can uh, attest, this is a fantastic record being put out by some of Milwaukee area's finest rock. Um, yeah, so thank you guys for putting it out. Thank you for listening Absolutely. to it. Of thank course, guys. Alright, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.